She comes from a law enforcement family. She married into a law enforcement family. Her husband was a police officer who died of work-related cancer. She's here to talk about how that impacted her life, her new life afterwards, and her new mission today. Welcome to the Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. Calling us from Southern California, we have Vicki Speed on the phone. Vicki is from a law enforcement family. Her brother, I believe, is a retired Los Angeles Sheriff's Department deputy. And she married into a law enforcement family. Her husband was a law enforcement officer, and sadly, he passed away due to work-related cancer. We'll talk about that in a few moments. Thanks so much for being guest on the show. Very much appreciated, Vicki. Gosh, what a great honor, Jay. Thank you so much. It's so important that people like you come on. And by the way, earlier... We did an interview with her partner, Tanya, and a heartbreaking story of what she and her family went through with the death of her husband in the line of duty. And before we start the conversation about your story, I I want people to understand something that a lot of men I worked with, I say men, that's men and women, a lot of the guys, many have died from cancer. Uh, One of the districts I worked in, it had been shut down due to asbestos and many people had cancer and died very young. It's heartbreaking. My father died of lung cancer many years ago. It was one of the worst things I've ever been through. Seeing them deteriorate and go through that, um, it's not. It's it's difficult. And for me, I just get kind of used to it. Uh, it is over these years, it doesn't get easier to deal with. I I agree with you on that. Um, you know, for us, it was it was. So completely just came from left field, Not didn't see, even see it coming. So it was a very big blow for my family. And he'd been a law enforcement officer for a while, hadn't he? Um, he had been on 16 years. My husband actually got in the department very late in life, what's considered late in life. He was 36, so he was the oldest in his academy class. And um, it was really had been a lifelong dream. And my husband had been, it's kind of funny, had been told at a very young age, not to apply because they would never take him. And, you know, we forget the power of words that really stuck with him. But after seeing my brother with his career and just knowing that was his dream, my husband actually applied for the, depart- for the department and took the test without telling anyone, including myself. So that was a surprise. And by the way, I got hired, right? Yes, he actually stopped by my office on a Friday, which he never came by my office. And he said, I need to tell you something. And then you you heard those words and you think, oh, my God, he's leaving me. (laughs) He said, I took the test for the sheriff's department this morning and I passed and I need to be back in the morning and I have to buy a suit and I need your help. And, you know, my my jaw dropped and I, I was like, what did you just say? I had first time ever I'd even heard heard about this or that it was even a dream this is one of the things i love about this show it's it's breaking stereotypes in hollywood 
they put out these stereotypes about law enforcement, uh, police are like, and your story, your husband's story, breaks that shit. He started this career late in life. He was the grandpa, is what we call those guys in the academy yes, in the late thirties. Yes. Because I was twenty when I started. Yes, he. They actually they called him that. They were they called him grandpa. It wasn't dad. It was grandpa. That's he what we called each other. Head. The the old guys in their thirties. <laughs> now I can't even remember being thirty. Be honest with you, it was so long ago. So you had a, a life together that didn't involve being in law enforcement and. Was this a huge upheaval for you? Um, you know, uh, yes and no. My husband's background was construction, heavy equipment. He'd done that his whole life. They had a family business. And at the time, he was doing a, he was a heavy equipment operator for the federal government, and he was very unhappy in his job. And uh, it was affecting our marriage. But my husband was also a country singer, and he was very close to getting signed. And so to go from this to I just applied for the sheriff's department and I'm following my dreams was, I mean, you could just imagine. And at the time we had a three-year-old at home. So, you know, it's like, what, wait, what, what? But, you know, we had gone through some difficulties already in our marriage, um, especially with uh, the band and the weekends and the late nights and the bars and the drinking and that we had done all that already. And, I always just wanted to support my husband in whatever he did, including pursuing a, you know country music. But that was kind of a, a big thing. No matter where we were at in our marriage, we always supported each other. Because, you know, you can come up with some crazy ideas, but we all know we have dreams. And for him, that was his dream. Quite a while ago, I had a guest on the show who immigrated to Nashville, Tennessee from Canada. He was a country artist, and he performed for a very long time. And right around the same age as your husband, decided he wanted to become a police officer. And and by the way, still writes music and performs as well. So it's ironic that in two different sides of the country, almost the same age in life, they took the same career path. Wow. Okay, that's crazy. Well, then I will I will go a step further. They discovered my husband saying while he was in the academy, they did random car searches and they happened to search his car in the parking lot one day and his CD was in there. No. So my husband actually was known for, he sang the national anthem and American lawman on a regular basis for the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. He sang at Dodger Stadium. Um, he was honored, probably the greatest honor of his life was uh, my husband sang at the funeral of Sergeant Steve Owen. Oh, wow. Well, one of the things, when the Academy being in his late 30s, being called Grandpa, we would have ridden him hard about that. But if we're doing a car stop exercise and saw a CD that he recorded, I'm telling you, I know he got a lot of ribbing over that. Yes, he did. (laughs) I mean, we could be ruthless with each other. My wife, we'll get back to your story, but my wife... When we have these police get-togethers and reunions, and we are so hard on each other, but we love it, and it, the camaraderie is some, something I missed tremendously after retiring, but she sometimes in the early days would be shocked that we were so, we kidded each other so hard and insulted each other, but it was all good-natured, and we all loved it. Yes, the, the bond that you guys created You know, I never experienced that. Um, I wasn't a wife that spent time at the station or got involved with law enforcement, or I just was never that wife. I had my own career, and we had a family, and 
it worked for us. All wives are different, but um, I will tell you, I learned the side of that the day my husband was diagnosed, and honestly, I live it now, even even when he's gone. That blue blood runs so thick, and you know, they really are my uh, law enforcement and the sheriff's department. Um, they're not just my family. They're my saving grace since my husband died, honestly. We are talking with Vicki Speed. This is the Law Enforcement Show. When we return, we're going to talk about the diagnosis of cancer, the work-related cancer, and how it cost her husband his life, and what happened to her afterwards and her family, and what she's doing today. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. Law Enforcement Today Show return conversation with Vicki Speed. Vicki's husband was uh, a law enforcement officer. He developed cancer, work-related cancer, and died as a result of that. And uh, we went to break. We're talking about him as an individual. He went and uh, at least worked late in life. And he's also a country music artist as well, which we talked about, the ribbing and the teasing and all the good-natured fun we would have. But here's where it gets serious. You at some point found out he was sick and you got the diagnosis. I just got phone message from my mother the other day about an uncle, much, much older, and he's got cancer. And my right away, my first reaction, Vicky's ago, it's my dad dying all over again. And I I almost like shut down. I don't want to deal with this. How did you all find out? Wow. Um, well, finding out about cancer was just, uh, it really was a blow to my family. Um, the craziest part is, and you know this being an officer, uh, my husband was a hard charger, and he was a 24-7 hard charger. And he really thought the stressors of the job were getting to him because he was getting older and because he'd always 150 miles an hour. In August of 2015, he had stepped down from a very prestigious unit, and he felt like he was turning 50, that he, this job was getting the best of him. And I remember um, he had kind of lost it on one of his partners on, a, on this particular day. And my husband was not, that was not who he was. And I remember he told me, he said, Vic, just the stress of the job, I think it's getting to me. I think I'm, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's my age. And I didn't think a lot of it. And, you know, like I said, I always supported his career. So he went to a different unit and very happy. Things were great. And he was training for Baker to Vegas at this time, which he was a runner his entire life. And for those people that don't know, Baker to Vegas is the largest law enforcement run in the world. And it happens once a year. So my husband had been training um, through the fall, through the winter. And 2016 comes March. uh, He and my son go to Vegas for this event great weekend together and my husband took one of the I don't want to say an easy leg because they're not easy but he took a five and a half mile leg flat ground and he didn't 
he didn't do so well, and that was not my husband. We laughed, made fun of him. You know, everyone told him, oh, Speed, you're, you're an old man. You're turning 50. You're getting too old for this. And, you know, that was fuel to my husband. He thought, oh, I'm coming back next year, and I'm taking a hard leg. So he came home, and uh, he had told me about it. And then he said, Vic, about a half mile from the finish line, I wanted to lay down and die. I've never had that happen. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, isn't that crazy? And I said, you know what, Mitch, it's because you didn't train as hard. I go, you'll get him next year. And we laughed about it. This is March. In May, he came by my office, shuts the door, sits down. And I looked at him, and he actually was jaundiced. And I said, Mitch, what's going on? And he said, I got to talk to you. And he said, Vic, you know I haven't been feeling good for a while. He said, but I really don't feel good. Long story short, one week later, we went to the doctor. He had, they'd done some labs, done some other things. They told us we would be uh, having an urgent visit with the City of Hope, which is one of the um, world's best cancer centers, one of the best here uh, where we live in Southern California. And I still didn't really get it at that point. I knew what it was, but I'm thinking there, there's just this, this isn't happening. There's no way. A week later, we went to City of Hope. They did 12 biopsies on him, and Memorial Weekend, I remember it very well. It was a Saturday, and the doctor called. We had a house full of company. My husband and I went back into our office, and he put him on speakerphone, and I remember the words just like they were yesterday. He said, Mr. Speed, all 12 samples are positive. You have a very aggressive stage 4 prostate cancer we need to get you in here immediately and we need to start treatment immediately. And I don't remember anything else that was said. They, they talked for a few minutes. My husband was as calm as could be. And we hung up the phone and the room was silent. And I just looked at him and he was so calm. I think that brought calmness to me. And my husband said, we will talk about this. Um, after our company leaves, but right now we're going to go and enjoy our company and you and I'll talk tonight. And that was the beginning of stage four cancer. My husband uh, never returned to work, unfortunately. Um, he did go out IOD, which is injured on duty because it was work-related. Uh, so we went through that whole process. And, you know, crazy enough, uh, you wouldn't have known my husband had cancer. He just was a, uh, just a really strong man. And I think that's a lot of men and women in law enforcement. It's a different mindset. It's a strong mindset. You're a fighter. You know, you've already been trained that if you're if you're going to die because something happens at work, you fight through and you make it. Right. And so I knew I knew who he was, and you know, I I fed off of him. We we were a strong couple. We were, like I said, we had um, already just been through some uh, really down in our marriage, and we were just at such a solid, solid place when all of this happened. Um, my husband had told me um, when the diagnosis came, he said, we will never ask why, we will ask God to use us. And he said, and I never want to hear anything different from you. And that was standing in the parking lot of our doctor's office. So that was the beginning of the journey, and it was a journey. It was chemo, radiation, drugs, good days, bad days, uh, you know, calling 911, Numbers going up, numbers coming down. So for 26 months, we did that. And, you know, really by the grace of God, my husband did very well until the beginning of 2018. And then things took a turn. 
and he really just uh, they were running out of options is what it came down to and they started just trying as many treatments as they could and finally by April of 2018 uh, he was just in a really quick decline and you know I think you and I talked about it because you have been through um, you know cancer and you know what it does it's very tough to watch this they had told us at that point it was in his bones and uh, it was more like, what do we do to manage this? What do we do to manage the pain? How are we going to get, you know, get through this? But, you know, I, I have really strong faith and, and I grew up in a Christian home and, you know, we wavered from it and then came back. And my husband also grew up in a Christian home. You know, I never went to, um, I never went to death. I never went to when my husband got diagnosed. Yes, your first thought is, oh my God, how much time do they have? Stage four cancer. And I didn't, I didn't know anybody with cancer. I had never, we didn't have family members with cancer. I'd never been through that. So this was really foreign and really new to me. But we're going to take a short break. Had, we're talking with Vicki Speed. When we return to our conversation, we're going to talk more about the cancer that claimed the life of her husband and how it impacted her, her family, and what she did afterwards. This is Law Enforcement Day Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. We have a new podcast. It's called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Yes, it's another true crime podcast, but a little bit different. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime stories, but very little is told of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters podcast. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters podcast, subscribe today, or check us out on Facebook. Do a search for True Crime Fighters. Back to our conversation with Vicki Speed on the Law Enforcement Today show. Vicki is... Part of the team, Vicki and Tanya, uh, VickiandTanya.com, authors of the book, After the Badge. Her husband was a law enforcement officer who died of work-related cancer. And before we had the break, Vicki, you're talking, by the way, I got to say this, Speed as a law enforcement officer's name is phenomenal. Mitch Speed. <laughs> that You couldn't make up a name like that in Hollywood. If they, if they gave that as a script for a TV show or a police-related movie, the lead character's name is Mitch Speed, we'd all laugh and go, no. That's a great name. <laughs> yeah, it is. I'm not going to lie. It's a cool name. <laughs> it's an awesome name. But he was diagnosed with st- aggressive stage four prostate cancer. And the first thought is that, and it wasn't that long ago, but when I think of prostate cancer, I go, ah, it's not a big deal. They can handle it. People survive that. They they live long lives afterwards. Yeah, it's life changing, but it's not the end of the world. Is that what you thought at first? You know, I did because, and I'm sure as a man that you know this, and I didn't know this, but prostate cancer is one of the, I don't want to say easy, but it is one of the easiest cancers to control and really give you a long life. Yeah. And I had heard that, so I thought, I know my husband, we're good. He's going to beat this. And, and he was athletic, and it reminded me of, and I'm not going to use his last name, a guy I worked with in the Baltimore Police Department, he blew out his Achilles tendon playing basketball, and he had to have surgery and have repaired and everything else, and he went through the physical therapy, and he was at the doctor's office being examined, and they're wrapping up that part of his recovery, and he bent over to p- pull up his shoes or something, the doctor saw a lump on his back. 
and said, what's that? Hold on. And they did some testing. It turns out, and he was in his early 20s, he had advanced testicular cancer that was all through his body. And within less than a year, he was gone. And it was... And that's the type of thing for men and and women, you got to do your self-examination. You've got to, you've got to. And men, you've got to do it as well. And no one, no one, myself included, wants to have that prostate exam done. Nobody. But get it done. Well, you know, here's the crazy thing. And uh, most men don't know this. I didn't know this. um, And I still try and talk about it. If you will ask your doctor to do a, a PSA test when you're getting your blood work done, which should be your, your, that's really all you need. Right. And most men don't know that. They think, oh my God, I have to go in. And, and my husband didn't know that. Um, unfortunately, my husband was adopted, so he had no idea what his family history was. You know, my son does have an edge on this because if your father has it, then you have the gene. And my son does have the gene, so, you know, we have a head start on it, but it's a heck of a way to find out. Yeah, it, it is. And, un- and unfortunately, and I hate that term when it's starting this, he goes from the prime of his life, yeah, 50, and being a cop is, is older. And it's yeah. tough on you mentally. It's tough on you physically. It's a young person's game. I hate to say it. Men and women, you hit a certain age, we all get injured, we have surgeries, we have all this other stuff. And, and mentally just can't quite do it anymore. When he said early in the conversation he snapped at a coworker, I remember doing that and still feeling guilty. And it's been 30 some odd years ago. And I yeah. said things I never should have said. And I disrespected the person in a way I never should have. And it was because stress, and I say stress, that's overused term, the trauma and things we went through got the best of me and I didn't handle it the way I should have. And it was not their fault. Right. But you know, the great part about you guys are, and, and, and men and women, both in law enforcement is, and I'm sure it was the same with you. You know, there was an, an apology from my husband. There was a conversation. That's his brother. That was his partner at the time. So there was a, a big conversation. And then obviously when he found out he was sick, he realized he really didn't feel good. And that's what made him snap. It was a combination of everything. So you guys get the bad news and things go from manageable over a two almost a two and a half year period to it's not working anymore and things are getting really really bleak yeah we uh it came down to a day that um the pain was not manageable anymore and i had to call 911 um, because it was in my husband's bones they were afraid that his spine was going to snap because it was moving pretty good at, at this point so they asked me to please do that i did they admitted him for 10 days we got the pain under control. But here's the crazy part. The only way to get him home with the amount of medication he was on was to put him on hospice. And that never registered to me because they told me because of the pain meds, there is not a pharmacy around that will fill these because of it's an excessive amount. So I thought, okay, so you get hospice just to get the pain meds. Okay. I, it just never occurred to me. And this was June 8th that he was released, and I had stayed with him the 10 days in the hospital, and the last night I went home, I was going to try and sleep knowing, you know, we were going to have a rough road ahead of us, and I got back in the morning, and my husband had fell, and, you know, I was like, Mitch, what are you doing? And he said, Vic, I tried to get up to go to the bathroom, and my legs just gave out. I, I really didn't think anything of it. You know, more you hurt, are you okay? And he said, yeah, I'm okay. But he said, gosh, you know, kind of laughing. 
I guess I'm weaker than I thought. Okay. So we get in the car, and uh, now, mind you, we talk about law enforcement. Um, You know, the department never left my husband, and the station never left my husband. So we uh, are in a wheelchair. We get outside, and the front of the hospital is lined with black and white and deputies in uniform, and they're going to help me get him home. So we get him loaded, and I remember he grabbed my hand, and he said, Vic, please don't please take me home and don't bring me back here. I don't want to come back to the hospital. Still at this point, I'm oblivious. And I said, Dave, if you don't want to come back to the hospital, we're not coming back to the hospital. He said, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I said, okay. So we get home and same thing. Uh, my neighborhood is lined with black and whites. And uh, my husband is, he's, I will say he's weak. And at this point he's in a wheelchair and it has not occurred to me what is happening. We get him in the house. Uh, I end up completely redoing my home, and I move his bedroom to my dining room, and I put him out, you know, where we're living. And uh, I just thought, gosh, you know, if he has to be in bed most of the time, I want him to be with us. Well, when I got him home, um, our physician's assistant was also a childhood friend of mine who was helping me take care of him. She stayed with me for a couple of days, and my sister was also here. And my husband is a big man. He's six foot three, 225. Well, over this, the next three days, uh, my husband had lost complete use. Um, really, he couldn't control um, his, his bodily parts anymore, and he lost complete use of his legs. So within three days, my husband was, uh, I'll say it, he was paralyzed from the waist down. And I didn't realize the extreme of what, what the, it being in the bones was doing, but I did at this point. And it, the crazy part is I still didn't think, oh, my gosh, my husband's dying. That just, I thought he's deteriorating. Things are getting worse, but it didn't matter. I loved him. I was going to take care of him. So this went on for about a month. My husband did pass on July 7th. And um, I will say it, the last few weeks was very, very difficult very painful to watch. Uh, the pain was very intense. He was 100% dependent on me. He was bedridden. And, you know, you take this Superman, six foot three hero cop, and, uh, and you see this, and uh, it is difficult. It's difficult to watch. My son was home. He was uh, getting his master's degree, so he was commuting back and forth. And, you know, my son saw this. He you know, there, it's a it's a blessing and it's a curse. You know, our this is real life. My son was not a baby. He was 25 at the time. And uh, the reality was, is he was going to lose his dad and I was going to lose my husband. So I was, uh, I was thankful that we were both here. I'm so glad you got to spend the time together. And I think back, my dad was dying. We knew he was dying. He had about a year left and I got to spend a lot of time with him and, and, Funny thing is, and I don't mean funny as in ha-ha, I insist on watching NASCAR every Sunday because that's something he and I did together. And it was part of our routine, and it's something I still do. And it, I don't think I'll probably do that for the rest of my life, and I'm I'm okay with that. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. We're talking with Vicki Speed. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. One of the most frequent questions we see is, where can I find great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Yes, we do. So we decided to start our own podcast network on Law Enforcement Today. 
That's right. You can find top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and our free app. Go to letradioshow.com. Click the Be Heard tab, and there you'll find the LET Podcast Network. We'll be adding more podcasts from first responders and more. Again, to find the Law Enforcement Today Podcast Network, go to letradioshow.com and click on the Be Heard in our menu. Or download our free app today at letradioshow.com. the Law Enforcement Today show. We are talking with Vicki Speed. Uh, Vicki's husband was a law enforcement officer in Southern California. His name was Mitch Speed. He was a detective and he died very sadly from work-related or work exposure cancer in July of 2018. And before we went to break, Vicki, you talked about the very last days that your husband was alive and then it dawned on you that he wasn't, that, that this was the end of the road that had to be a big i know i don't know what term to use to even describe it. it it had to be a great big moment like what do we do now our whole lives everything we planned on afterwards is all gone right right we actually had a five-year plan when he was diagnosed um, for retirement and uh, we were going to sell our home we were going to move out of the area so yes, it was it was a very very big change. Um, you know, something I I would like to share, um, especially for those that have never experienced, you know, the loss of a spouse. You know, one of the things uh, be- about two weeks before my husband passed was, and forgive me if I get emotional. You know, he asked me permission to go home. Uh, I remember him telling me, you know, Vic, I I have fought so hard and I'm tired. And I don't know if I can keep fighting and I just really want to go home, but I need you to tell me it's okay. And, you know, that's probably one of the most painful conversations that we had, but I loved my husband enough to give him that permission. I was watching him suffer and I knew to say anything else, you know, was extremely selfish and it just was from a place of love. And I did give my husband that permission and I knew that he needed it. And, you know, as crazy as it sounds, I think it brought a little bit of peace to me because now we had an understanding of what was happening, where we were at, where this was headed. So I just, I knew it was a matter of time. I knew it would be a very short amount of time. But um, yeah, death is, it's never easy. Um, I think we've all experienced it, but I know I've never lost a child, but I can tell you the death of my husband was uh, very painful. Just hearing you talk about it is extremely emotional. And I didn't know your husband. And the truth is, I really don't know you, but I feel like I do. Because there's, and granted, this is your husband, this is my dad we're talking about, but there's a lot of similarities. And I can understand the emotions. I can't understand the, the specifics of what you went through. But what I think for me, and, and this is not a good example, but I'm divorced from my first marriage. Second marriage is phenomenal. But the hardest part about the divorce from the first marriage was the realization that the entire life that we had planned out for each other as a couple was not going to happen. Right, right. You know, I think for me, um, I, I can't speak for anyone else, and I know Tanya and I have talked about this, 
it's was so difficult because we're so young. Um, my husband was diagnosed at 50 and he passed at 53. And uh, I believe Tanya's husband was the same age um, when he was executed in the line of duty. And you just feel, I just felt so robbed. You know, we have this perception that, and we all, you know, we all think it, we're going to grow old together. Um, Mitch was my forever. Um, I knew one day one of us was going to go first, but you think, oh, when we're 80 or 85 or, you know, we're going to experience our son getting married, grandchildren, retiring, and you just have this grandeur plan. And, you know, within a minute, life, life has changed. And that, that was, that's been hard. That, that's been difficult. My wife and I, we joke quite often that who's going to go first and what the other one has to do and all that stuff. And it's it's a really ha-ha type thing. Right. But now when I go home, I'm going to have this conversation with her. We can't do that anymore. They just... No. It can't. It's, it's fun. It's something we laugh about. But your conversation, what you went through, it changes the perspective totally. Oh, wow. Wow. You know, and I, w- I would even encourage... I'm glad you said that. I really would encourage people to have these conversations um, only because, you know, not that I'm blessed that my husband's gone, but I'm blessed that I got this time with him and we talked about everything. How do I go on? How, what about our son? What about, you know, what, what do we do? What do I do financially? What do I do with the house? What do I do with, you know, and, and, I say this as crazy as it is, and I know you've heard Tanya's story. Um, I tell Tanya this all the time. You had a phone call in 15 seconds to literally comprehend everything that was going on, and your whole life changed. By the grace of God, I had 26 months. And yes, we both lost our husbands, but you know, I got something that she didn't get. And so, yes, I would encourage you to have those conversations. At some point in this journey you went through afterwards i'm talking about mm-hmm. there had to come a point where you say okay now what do i do and, and this is where decision making comes in about what kind of life do i want to have for me and my family yes it's unfair yes we've been robbed it's not right by anybody's accounting but how do you make the decision that that life's going to go on and we're going to have a good life You know, I think a lot of it was the encouragement from my husband. Um, He was an incredible man of God. He had faith to move mountains. And, you know, he really instilled that in his family and myself. So I had that. Um, I knew what he wanted for me. I knew it wasn't going to be easy. But uh, I would like to share a very quick story. You know, we talk about um, a little bit, we've talked about our children and the difficulties that, you know, it's not just you, it's also your your kids and, and the loss for them. It had been, this was not the defining moment, but it had been a while coming. But my husband's memorial was July 27th. And on August 11th, my son was arrested for a DUI. So it wasn't just grief and loss. This was such a huge blow and shock and um, you know to to make things worse not that there's a good case scenario he was arrested at my husband's station so you know for me my first thought was and, and I remember saying it what do I do without him you know I need my husband this is where dad steps in this is where he's a law enforcement officer it's his station it's you know 
literally, I remember, I remember sitting on the couch and going, what just happened? I, I have to be in this horrible dream. What is happening right now? But, you know, by the grace of God, um, we got through it. And uh, my son is in such an incredible place in his life. It was a very long uh, nine months um, going to court, um, you know, everything that came with it. And there were some defining moments because our children do have difficulties also. Um, my son's been in counseling for about a year and a half and uh, really got his faith back. And he uh, losing his dad has been the most painful thing that he's ever experienced, and he does still struggle with it. And so it isn't just me. You know, it affects your children also. And I know, I don't know if Tanya got a chance to share this, but her daughter's getting married in four weeks. And, you know, to not have her father walk her down the aisle is, you know, so the pain doesn't stop. The reminder doesn't stop. But you do your best to go on. But for us and for me, it is God's grace and God's love and God's strength. And that's where I draw from. So you and your partner, you guys co-authored a book together. Tell us about the book. Yes. It's uh, Tanya Owen and Vicki Speed. And just very quickly, uh, Tanya and I did not know each other. Our husbands worked together, and she knew my husband. And 10 days before Steve's murder, we met at a fundraiser for my husband, who was out IOD. And that really was God bringing us together. And we went to Police Week in 2019. She invited me, and we have been inseparable ever since. And we it's like we've known each other our whole lives. So... Uh, she was very close to Mitch, and she was she was very uh, and her children very close with him and his cancer journey, and they spent a lot of time together because my husband wasn't working, so that carried over to she and I and our children, and we actually just have become a big family, which has been incredible. But when our husbands passed, we just felt like, especially with what's going on, and I know this will make a lot of sense for people. You have the rhetoric, and you have the we hate law enforcement, they're all bad, they're all racist, they're all whatever. Well, we were married to two white cops, and neither one of our husbands were any of those things, and actually they were quite the opposite. Both husbands dealt with the worst of the worst on a regular basis. Um, They were not, uh, and there's no put down, but they weren't the guys out just writing tickets. They were in the thick of it every single day, and when they died... Um, I, this is my greatest story to Sergeant Steve Owen is they had gang members, prostitutes, drug dealers, young youth really come out on national TV and do interviews about how Steve changed their life. By and the way, check out their book. On them. It's called After the Badge, available on their website and where books are sold. What is your website address again before we have to wrap things up? It is VickiAntonia.com. We're also on Facebook, uh, Vicky and Tanya, and we're on Instagram, and that's at Vicky and Tanya. And thanks so much for being guests on the show. Very much appreciated. Please stay in touch. Yes, and we would love to send you our book, so we will get in contact with you, and thank you for this incredible honor. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. 
I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.